Good morning. This week we've experienced and viewed Jesus as a sacrifice like a lamb. Did you know the exact same day that the Passover lamb was to be celebrated in Jerusalem was the day that Jesus the lamb was crucified, sacrificed, given for us? This isn't an accident. It's so cool how God's timing and everything is beautiful. And even how we're living today, it's in his timing and we're learning from it. We're leaning on him harder. Jesus died, yes, but dot, dot, dot. (laughs) When we say but, it negates everything prior to what we said. Because Jesus is alive. He is alive and well. And did you know that it's very important, it is vital to our destiny, to where we will spend our eternity? A simple verse that we use in what we call the Romans Road in leading someone to Christ is in, found in Romans 10, 9. And it's simple. It just says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead, you can say the next words, you will be saved. Not a maybe, not a mighty, a might. It's a definite. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. Now, sadly, the reverse is true. May I read it that way? If we don't confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if we don't believe in our heart that Jesus really did rise from the dead, you will not be saved on that day. I'm praying and hoping that all of you have joined in the knees that have bowed already here on earth, stating humbly that Jesus is Lord and that he has died for us. Today, it is with joy and passion that we sing. This past week has been a sweet meditating on his passion week, if you want to say. Um, It's been awesome. I've heard from many of you and how it spoke to you and how the scriptures were very relevant to you. That brings joy to me. And because of all that, let's Wherever we're at now, sing these beautiful songs for this week's worship set. Enjoy. Slave. 
Heavenly Father, we come before you today celebrating life after death through Jesus Christ. Thank you for emptying the tomb and making it very clear to us that you have not only conquered life itself with your holy living, but also you have conquered uh, our greatest enemy, death itself. So, Father, I pray that today we would open our hearts, our minds, to what you want to tell us today. Father, I pray for those hearts that are troubled. May they listen carefully and take note what God has for them to help them go through whatever they're going through. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Easter. I pray that you and your family and friends are doing well. If we can help you in any way, please let us know. If you have a need for prayer, we'd love to pray for you. You see, we believe in the power of prayer. Amazing things happen through prayer to a God who has raised himself from the dead. Now, you can contact us through our email, which is real simple. It's somaschurch at gmail.com. Simply two words, somaschurch at gmail.com. And we would love to pray about whatever is going on in your life. During the season of certainty, with all the difficulties that we are working through, we are looking for answers to our questions, to know the unknown and to have something that we can trust in to give us real and lasting hope. My friend, in all the sorrow that you may be facing today, with all the bad news we are trying to process how about some good news? I mean some really, really good news. I can't think of a better time in which to celebrate Easter and to share its real meaning. You see, Easter is all about defeating our greatest fears. Many of us are afraid of losing our health, catching a virus, facing death, experiencing suffering. We fear of being without, experiencing loss, or the fear of losing a loved one. The resurrection of Jesus Christ helps us overcome those fear. Listen, there's no other story that gives us more hope than the story of Jesus' empty tomb. It is the greatest source of good news for your life and for mine. Jesus, rising from the dead, left an empty tomb. But that empty tomb made room to fill it with hope. Hope that you and I need for whatever we will face in life. And what each of us will face at the end of our lives. So this morning, let's turn to the book of Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, and read about the greatest story of hope that was ever written. And that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me read verse 1, Luke 24. But very early on Sunday morning, the women 
Let me stop here. The women here is found in verse 10. It's Mary Magdalene. We'll come back to her in a little bit. Joanna, who may have been the wife of the person who managed King Herod's um, place there, Jerusalem. And then we have Mary, the mother of James. And there were other women. So early on Sunday morning, these women, they went to the tomb, of course, the tomb of Jesus, taking the spices that they had prepared. Let me stop. You see, they brought spices like we would bring flowers as a sign of love and respect. And here's the point. They believe they were going to a grave that held a dead body. They knew Jesus was dead. He hadn't just fainted and then later was revived. Or he hadn't faked his death. Jesus was D-E-A-D, dead. Dead as anyone has ever died. Another point I want to make here is that they were arriving at Jesus' tomb with uncertainty. No doubt, they were fearful, and perhaps with a little anxiety or, or of, uh, unsure of their hope for their future. And I believe that one time or another, we can certainly relate to these ladies what they had and must have been going through at this time. So they arrived Sunday morning, taking the spices that they had prepared. In verse 2, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Let me stop. You see, this was a great concern to these ladies. As they were approaching the grave, they were discussing, how are we going to be able to anoint the dead body of Jesus with these spices? First, it is guarded by the Roman soldiers. It was sealed by Pilate not to be opened. And there's this huge stone. Some believed it may have been uh, a weight of about two tons, like the size of a car, built on an incline to easy roll in front of the entrance. And, and to roll it away was to roll it uphill. You know what I find in this verse in verse 2, it's a powerful truth. The stone had been rolled away from the entrance when they arrived. And the truth is, for each of us, that God will remove any obstacles in our lives that we may know the truth and come to Jesus. Listen, some of you right now are wrestling with obstacles that keep you from knowing God. It could be the resurrection of Jesus itself, this story. It could be a matter of creation. This huge stone stands before you, and you're wrestling with God creating everything in seven days. It could be a matter of, of disbelief, thinking that you have a, a sin that God can't forgive. It could be that you know you will have to give up something to become a follower of Jesus, and that's a huge stone that you don't want to roll away. Listen, God loves you. He loves you so much that he's willing to remove all the obstacles, all the arguments that keep you on the outside of knowing who he is. 
If you let him, he will remove that which hinders you from knowing the truth inside. God placed an open sign outside his tomb because this is an essential place for all believers. So they came to the tomb. In verse 2, they saw it was rolled away. And in verse 3, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus, as the scripture says in verse 3. And verse 4, and they stood there puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. They were afraid. And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? These men were angels. Verse 6, he said, they said, he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Let's look at what these ladies should have remembered. Jesus told them over and over again, his three years of ministry, that he would die and then rise from the grave three days later. In John chapter 11, in verse 25, Jesus promised, he said this, I said, I am, he talked about himself, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die like everyone else, they will live again. Earlier in John chapter 2, Jesus is standing in the temple. He is engaged in conversation with some Jews. And in the very temple itself, the temple of God, in verse 18, Jesus goes on to say, so that the Jews answered and said to him, uh, said to Jesus, what sign do you show to us since you do these things? Listen to Jesus' answer. Jesus answered to them, destroy this temple. No doubt he probably waved his hand over this temple. He said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. I will raise it up. And then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. Will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scriptures. And they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had spoken. I think there's two important things to take note from what the angels were telling the, the women. Here's they came to the tomb. They saw the stone was rolled away. And they see the angels and the angels tell them to remember what he had told them in Galilee. I think the, fir the first thing that's important, and you should write this down, is that when we are terrified, when fear has its grips on us, remember what God has told you. Remember what he has written. Remember Psalms 23. He is our good shepherd who loves us and promises to take care of us. God is going to take care of 
our needs. He's a good shepherd. If we let him, he will lead us to a place of peace. If we let him, he will supply all our needs. God loves us and he cares for us. Remember what God has told you through the scripture. God said he would never leave his children alone. You see, we can be isolated from people, but as believers, we are never isolated from God's presence. When you're overwhelmed with life, with fear, remember what God has told you. Paul says, and we've said this before in Romans 8, proclaims boldly that nothing separates us from the love of God. Nothing can come between us and the love of God. I remember when our kids were real little, and when my wife and I would hug, hey, we standing there in the kitchen, and, and our kids would come up, and they'd try to stand in between us and divide us. They tried their best to squeeze in between us and, and to get us separated, but they didn't have the strength to do this. Neither is there any power on earth in heaven or hell that will ever be strong enough to separate us from experiencing God's love. When you are perplexed, puzzled, and afraid, remember what God has told you. The angels said to the ladies, remember what he has told you, and go back to Galilee. Go back to a place in time and remember. Let's go back with, with Mary Magdalene. When she met Jesus, let's travel back in time when she came to meet Jesus for the first time. In Luke 8, it says this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. There are 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Mary was the first one to meet Jesus. She was one of the first ones at the empty tomb. Mary, who was a Jewish woman from a fishing town on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, her name is mentioned 12 times in the Gospels, more than most of the apostles. Mary Magdalene, the one whom seven demons had to be cast out of her. And we ask Mary, what was it like when you met Jesus, tell us about your life. Maurice Casey, author of Jesus of Nazareth, campaigned us a pretty good picture of Mary before she met Jesus. She writes a description of Mary. Mary must have suffered from severe emotional or psychological trauma to deem an exorcism necessary. She was battered and bruised, injured and in agony, from the suffering demon possession entailed. Mary lost all control and dignity, along with everything she knew in her previous life. She writes, beauty and wealth did not spare her from the evil that assailed and attacked her every hour of every day. Seven is a mystic number suggesting completeness. 
implying that when the evil spirits dominated Mary, the suffering was extremely severe. Oh, my friend, did you get this? This is Mary, the one who was at first at the tomb where Jesus had risen. She's the first person to meet Jesus after death, after his death. The angel told Mary, Mary Magdalene, to remember what Jesus had said to her and go back and remember in Galilee, Galilee where you were, do you remember that? Mary, remember the first place you experienced the power of God in your life. Go there, Mary, in your mind. Remember the thought of your life without any hope. Remember the place you met Jesus and he removed those seven demons that controlled your life. Remember how it was, how fearful you were, how terrifying your life was. It was out of control. Remember what God did for you? Mary, in the resurrection of Jesus, we see the power of God raises himself from the dead. And that same power removes the works of death from our lives. Remember, Mary, when you observed with your own eyes in following Jesus, healing the sick, the blind, and those that were crippled. Remember standing in the crowd and you were shoved aside as they were bringing those that were sick to Jesus and he healed them right before your eyes. Remember that, Mary. Remember, Mary, when Jesus fed you and the thousands of people, those fish and chips from a little lad's lunch. Remember that, Mary. The angel told Mary, and you're terrified, I want you to go back to that place in time. Remember what God told you. Remember what you heard and how you experienced his power. So the first point that the angels told Mary and these ladies, when you're terrified, when you're afraid, remember what God has told us. Oh, that's so important. The word of God is filled with hope. The word of God is filled with power. The word of God is filled with love and points that gives us confidence and tells us over and over again not to be afraid. The second point, when you're unsure of your situation, how life is, go back to Galilee. Go back to that place where you have experienced the power of God in your life. Do you remember when you first experienced God, when you first experienced the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your life? For me, I can take you to the place where I invited Jesus into my life. It's on Skyline Drive on the edge of Junction City, Kansas. At the age of four years old, where my wrestling with God ceased, and the peace of God came into my heart. Though I didn't understand a lot about the Bible as a kid, I remember getting up off my knees knowing and believing that Jesus had died on the cross for my sins, and my sins were forgiven. And I believe that Jesus now lived in me 
because he rose from the grave and the same power will take me to an eternal home in heaven. Does fear control you like the seven demons of Mary Magdalene? You ter- terrified of life, scared to face death. Jesus doesn't want you to go through life being afraid. He doesn't want us to walk uncertain, to live our lives in fear. I'm not saying to live foolishly. We don't have to live in fear if we remember what God told us and keep those memories fresh in our mind of Galilee, the place where we have experienced God and the power of God in our lives. Replay those times in our life. and It'll help us in the present and in the future. I want to make one last point about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection was to be the sign that demonstrated Jesus as the one whom he claimed to be. You see, you can't say, I believe in Jesus and doubt his resurrection from the dead. You can't say, I trust God, but I don't believe Jesus really died and rose from the grave. It doesn't fit. It doesn't work. The resurrection seals the deal of our salvation. It is the event that confirms the good news. Jesus saves. It is the thing that gives us the most hope in our life, that Jesus does love us. He has forgiven us through the work of the cross. And just as Jesus accepted of God the Father, we will be accepted in his righteousness to the Father God as well. When asked for a specific sign from our religious leaders, Jesus replied this in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 39. He said this, and an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it, but, listen to this, but the sign of Jonah, the prophet. For just as Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so shall the Son of Man be in three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he didn't just stay there, he rose from the grave. When God said, I'm going to come to earth and die for the sins of all mankind, and then I'm going to prove that I'm God by coming back to life three days later, that is the single most significant event in history. Nothing comes close. It splits history into A.D. and B.C. Every other event in history is dated by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, either before or after. Even our birthday is dated by this day. The month and the year on how many years has been since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the single most significant event in history of time because Jesus was resurrected. And what it did, it it turned those first followers of Christ from being from being disillusioned, depressed, despair defeated into courageous and contagious people filled with hope.
And they began to spread the message of hope everywhere because when they saw Jesus had, had came back to life, it changed everything. The resurrection of Jesus Christ will change everything in your life as well if you let it. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, whose holy life was spilled out on that old rugged cross to be an eternal covering for our sins and for all those who place their faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Our words cannot give enough weight to the value in what this means to us. Father, your love and your kindness towards us, in spite of what we have thought or have done against you, is truly amazing display of grace. We rejoice in the truth that Jesus is no longer in the grave, and that gives us a perfect hope that we will live again after our grave because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us we can joyfully say amen my friend if God has spoken to you about accepting him into your life at this moment wherever you are would you be willing to receive all that God wants to give you just simply in a prayer to him there's no magic words of formula, but just acknowledging that you are a sinner and in need of a Savior. Asking God to come into your life and to save you. Telling God that you believe Jesus died for your sins. That his work on the cross can give you the forgiveness of all your sins and that you believe he was raised from the grave. And then thank him for saving you. And if you just did that, if you just asked God to come into your life, we welcome you to the family of God. We're so glad that you, you have received what God wants to give you. And I want you to let us know. If we can be a help in your spiritual growth and your help, email us at somaschurch at gmail.com. We would love to hear what God is doing in your heart and your life and to help you on your journey with him. I pray you have a blessed Easter. And remember, Jesus Christ has risen. God bless you.
Christ alone who took 